Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. In T-minus three, two, one, we begin the fun. Touring our way through the NBA from that big, big apple to the place by the bay. Is your mind buckled in? Because it's time to begin. Sacred and his friends are doing it again. The Hang Time Podcast is the spot, so sit back, relax, because the show's about to drop. Welcome into another edition of the Hang Time Podcast. I'm your host, Seku Smith, here in Atlanta, dealing with the global pandemic like everyone else, but certainly not letting it keep us from engaging the basketball community in conversation. Um, we came to you early this week with Cheryl Swoops, a Hall of Famer, uh, and now we got another one of uh, you know the great generational players, um, a guy who I think is vastly underrated, if you ask me. Karan Butler of UConn and NBA fame. Uh, tough juice, as people know him. An all-star, twice during his playing career. A champion, Dallas Mavericks. And a guy who, post-playing career, has has turned into one of the true, you know, uh, underrated veterans of the game. A guy who young players and current players go to for advice, wisdom, and all the things he provides. Um, he's sheltered in place with his family in L.A., um, like you are where, wherever you might be, hopefully, with safe and sound with your family. But he gave us some time and, uh, and talked about what's going on now, you know, some of his playing career, his relationship with Kobe Bryant, which was one of the remarkable ones that, that maybe hasn't been talked about. and. Uh, you get a chance to to get a good vibe from one of the true vets out there doing doing great things in Karamba. So check him out here on the Hang Time Podcast. Diving in on the Hang Time Podcast this week, one of my favorite cats, my my vet, my OG, Karam Butler. Uh, and I, listen, I know you got your own podcast. You got all this other business you got going on, man. So I appreciate you, first and foremost, taking a little time. It's, I know everybody is quarantine right now but uh time is precious man. yeah man it's a pleasure and honor to be on with you man and you know look they said thank you wanted to interview you i said done deal man that's my brother that's right that's what's going on man look i i've been locked in since the season stopped like just catching up taking a you know a, a fresh look at this season past seasons and i started thinking about what a what a stoppage in play means for players, and I know you were playing in the league when there were some some work stoppages. And I'm wondering how did y'all handle the time when you, when you basically cannot do anything with your teams when you when you're locked away from the game? How do, how do players manage this time? Man, I I, I think a few ways. Um... It's, it's somewhat therapeutic for a lot of guys where you can get away from the game. You know, like, I, I've always been one of those guys that 
that said, you know, when this shit over, I ain't doing nothing else. I'm just going <laughs> to relax and I put my feet up and I'm not doing this, not doing that. However, when the reality hits you, it bites like a thousand much, man. It really does. And like guys want to do other things. They, they're interested in other things. And, and then you get restless because after about, you know, let's face it, two weeks go by. Now you want to get back to what you're accustomed to being accustomed to. And uh, I think that a lot of the guys want to play. They got that itch. That's why you hear on, you know, numerous media outlets that, hey, man, we're just trying to play. We're trying to stay in shape. Can't wait to get back because when it does happen, and I think it's going to happen relatively fast when you talk about, uh, you know, getting back to the game, it's, it's going to be a quick turnaround. And guys have to be, you know, ready for that quick turnaround. For us, you know, we got the announcement somewhere in December, first week of December. I mean, shit, we was playing, I think, what, like right around Christmas or something. And yes. and that happened relatively fast for us. So we had to stay in shape and be prepared for so many unknowns. Right. You, what's, what's the biggest challenge, you think, for these guys now in terms of – you hear a lot of them talking about coming up with alternative ways to stay in shape, but there's no way to stay in – in game NBA game shape without being able to get on the court and run and play with other guys that are on that level. How do you, how in the world do they stay in the kind of shape they need to when they can't congregate in together and play pickup games together? It, you know what? It's, it's, it's crazy different now because when you think about, you know, whether if, if this would have happened in the seventies, eighties, or the nineties, would have been totally different with the exception of probably two or three players. You had, you know, Michael Jordan that was making the astronomical figures off the court and doing what he's supposed to do, getting his value. So he had access to a gym inside his house and things like that. Mm-hmm. But now, I mean, guys are, you know, <laughs> they getting paid handsomely. So I think that a lot of people have access to all these type of equipments, whether it's a Peloton, whether it's, uh, you know, a treadmill, basketball court, half court, something on the, 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 the compound of their, you know, estates. And they're able to, you know, still have, you know, that access to exercise equipment and stay in optimum shape. But however, you know, you're still not able to, you know, compete, you know, so your rhythm and your timing and all those things are going to be off you know, somewhat, but at the same time, because of the social distancing and all that, but, you know, they they will be in shape. And my big thing, uh, Seiko, is like the injuries, you know, coming out of this, because, you know, when you're rested up and you sit still and things like that, and then all of a sudden you ramp that body up, it's like an old school, man. You know, you gotta, you gotta run that thing. So it's going to be interesting <laughs> to see how people, you know, respond to that, that impact immediately. Yeah. I, listen, and, and you're a director with the NBR NBRPA, that's the National Basketball Retired Players Association. So I know you're in touch with former players, but I also know how tuned in and locked in you are with current players in the league. They come to you for wisdom and, and you know, all sorts of things, man. What are you, what's the conversations you're having with, with players right now about how they're mentally and emotionally handling not just the, the season being suspended, but this, this global pandemic and all the – the drama. This is unprecedented stuff for everybody. How how are they feeling about what's going on in the world right now? Yeah, well, you know, yesterday was, you know, World Health Day, and a lot of people were just trying to figure out and find ways to be impactful in their communities and, you know, be an asset to the world as a whole. You know, um, 
sat down with Stefan Barberry and he had dropped his uh, documentary, A Kid from Coney Island, yesterday on all platforms, major platforms. And he was talking about, you know, giving the the, the, the masks out, over 10 million masks, uh, you know, to the United States and uh, specifically region uh, that he targeted was New York. And then other players are just, they're not really talking about basketball. You know, they're just talking about, you know, people on the front line and how they can give back, you know, whether it's meals for a day, you know, to, you know, the medical workers that's on the front line and things like that. But, you know, prior to this, you know, pandemic happening, you know, I always talk to guys about this, putting themselves in position while they're in position, you know, and, and for that, they'll never be out of position, marrying them to, you know, certain, uh, you know, legends in the game that, you know, had some hardships and they talk to them about their, you know, financial exposure and what they did and how they can, you know, learn from their lessons because, one thing that we all have comp in common is that we're all going to be legends one day. We're all going to be retired NBA players if you're part of this small fraternity. So I just try to, you know, marry some of those personalities with guys of the past, and it's been it's been a good thing. Yeah, this uh, this this thing is is also I know impacted folks like us who are in the media. Um, you know, you I'm, I'm sure you used to going back and forth across country week after week. That that abrupt slowdown and that abrupt halt to all that, man, that that must have impacted you in terms of the rhythm you're in by early March as, as a broadcaster. Um, was was the was it a situation where you kind of low key in, enjoyed the break, or did it really interrupt the flow you were in, uh, just in terms of broadcasting games, analyzing? sitting on the desk and the stuff you do. Yeah, you know what? It it, it did, you know, I think it, you know, threw a, a wrench in everybody's, you know, consistent, you know, way of they flowing. You know, uh, I, I think about, you know, once a, once a week I'm flying uh, to Atlanta for, you know, NBA television. And, you know, for, for a couple of years, last couple of years I've been doing that. And then all of a sudden to pivot and not be able to do that, I've become accustomed to being accustomed to doing that. You know, um, I've been yeah. part of a, a huge uh, financial pool of raising capital for the graduate hotels. And we had hotels that was opening up on UConn campus and, you know, yeah. uh, close to the University of Wisconsin as well that, you know, all those things been sent on a pretty much a financial furlough where, you know, a lot of workers and, a lot of people in the hospitality business, you know, are out of work because of that, you know. So it's just, you know, it's it's a sad moment right now. But, you know, I know that this will pass. And I know that a lot of people are looking forward to, you know, the, the, the bright future. And I'm seeing that, you know, from the death standpoint, you know, watching CNN and all the major news outlets, that this thing is flattening. So hopefully, you know, we're headed towards, you know, a positive result. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the different communities, uh, you know, and you're a guy who's, you know, stretched in different directions, obviously being from Wisconsin and, and growing up there then playing ball at UConn and, you know, now living on the West coast, man, you got a lot of exposure in different areas. How different is the impact that you can gauge from where you live to where you went to school to, to back home in Wisconsin and, and like, how it's affecting people. I was watching the, the footage of the people having to stand in line to vote 
in Wisconsin yesterday. That was just mind-boggling that, that that would be going on. Yeah, man, it's it's crazy because you know this thing's a hit. It, it really hit me in waves, right? So my my sister works at Yale Hospital, respiratory mm-hmm. nurse. So like she calls us once one night, and she had, they had over 139, you know, fatalities, you know, from the COVID situation. Oh, and I'm like, whoa, like, and she's never been in that, you know, that just emotional space. So we're talking to her and we're trying to get her through, you know, fast forward to the next day where you have, you know, business at hand. I'm conducting interviews and things like that on my podcast, talking to Steph, doing stuff like that. And then all of a sudden you get hit with a wave of information from Wisconsin. You know, I actually talked to, you know, uh, Tony Evers, you know, the governor, and he mm-hmm. said that they had put in a motion so that this wouldn't happen. But the GOP decided that it, you know, it was, you know, paramount that, you know, the vote and the election still go through. So they overridden them. And you had people that was out there standing in line in Wisconsin that still was at the polls that had to vote. So that was a situation. And then, you know, you, you fast forward to, you know, being here in California, we have our own, you know, social distancing uh, orders and stay at home things intact so it's just like you're getting hit with waves and waves of just things and situations and uh you know it's 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 been nothing uh usual <laughs> i could say that and and, yeah. and we're just trying to respond and you know moving accordingly yeah no doubt this is man it's funny you meant you know when you put all that together man i started thinking about careers we talk about this when we when we work at nba tv just the scope of a career man do you could you, I mean, this is off the subject of the pandemic, but from the time you say 14, 15 to now, could you have imagined doing all the stuff you're doing, talking to the governor of the state of Wisconsin? Right. That's got to be, no, that's got to be nutty to think about, man. Bro, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like, it's like your life, you know, like when, when, when a lot of stuff happened to me, you know, at a young age and I went through that adversity, my life was flipped upside down. And then, you know, um, I'll never forget my grandmother just saying, like, you covered from generation of prayer, baby. Like, she's <laughs> from the South, Columbus, Mississippi. She said, everything going to be everything. It's, it's already written. And she's a strong believer. And she yeah. made me believe. And now just fast forward to, you know, current state and seeing, you know, the, the resources that I have at my disposal and able to, you know, empower and assist, you know, communities that have been affected and communities like the ones that I grew up in and, it's it's just amazing, man, and uh, I I never thought, man. I'm I'm still like blown away sometimes. But I, I tell you, my big aha moment was, you know, last earlier this year. It was in December, mm-hmm. right before Christmas, where you know we brought the entire Bucks basketball team with the with the governor uh, to a racing correctional facility that I once was uh, incarcerated at, mm-hmm. and you know Giannis made his way out there, and everybody came, and it, it was just to you know, give them some hope and inspire them uh, to, you know, continue to move forward. You know, don't go there and repeat, but, you know, try to find, you know, and tap into the better version of you and come out being a better version of yourself. Yeah. And that was major for me. And I never in a, like a million years thought something like to that magnitude could possibly happen. Like the entire Bucks organization at a correctional facility and the reigning MVP, uh, in there too, and that's my rook. Like that was just crazy. <laughs> that's deep. That's deep, man. I, I I think about your career, and I and I think you are like a lot of guys of your generation who were 
excellent players, all-stars. You know, I mean, you're two-time all-star. You won a championship. And to me, y'all are kind of like this forgotten generation in between the Jordan era and his his highlight, the, you know, the zenith of his era, and then the, the post-Jordan era when Kobe and then LeBron and, and these guys became kind of the marquee face of the league. But there are a lot of really good – NBA players who were showing out in in the you know in the 2000s and in the in the 2010s that get kind of overlooked not forgotten but just kind of overlooked we kind of flip pages from one era to another without really stopping and focusing speak to, speak to well, just the, the level of competition you remember at in the peak of your career man where there were so many good players that we don't talk about now Man, it's it's so crazy. When I first came into the league, and I always tell people this, and they be like, "Oh, damn, I forgot about him," <laughs> and I forgot about him. Like, so it's crazy you say that because you talk about, you know, guys like Bonzi Wells and Mashburn, and yeah. you you know you you talking about the Smitties and Glenn Rice, and you know it was just it was a whole bunch of guys that was just exceptional players but you know, like you said you had the Jordans and clearly you had the Kobe's and you know you had guys that was just mega stars that dominated the headlines and everything but when you look at some of the the guys that created the fabric of these organizations and these teams it was some it was some headhunters out there I mean every night mm-hmm. at my position I had Paul Pierce I had Vince Carter Tracy McGrady uh <laughs> The list goes on. You know, you had a stint where Gerald Wallace was all star and he was playing his ass off in Charlotte and uh Steven Jackson, you know, he was balling. Like it was just so many guys and you know, they just you know, they don't get mentioned as much, but you know, true basketball heads know. Like when you start naming those names, like, oh shit, he he was nice, like he was cold, like but those conversations don't happen unless you had a round table with basketball minds. Right. I always, I always ask guys, and I'm curious when I talk to guys who play, man, and, you know, they get asked about other players. I'm trying to think. You famously were in a high school class with Tony Romo. I, I love the picture of y'all, like the all-area basketball team. And and you, you standing over, like towering over Romo and, and three other dudes, you know, who may or may not be remembered by a lot of people. But how, how much – how much fun was the getting to the league part, like coming up, cutting your teeth, trying to reach the league compared to once you get in the league and establish yourself and play as long as you did? Like, what's the what's the emotional difference between chasing it and then getting there and having to maintain? Uh, you know what? I, I don't think it's a it's a it's a huge difference because uh it and and, and I think Kobe had touched on this one time and, and I saw something that he had said, you know, where that's the dream, like the grind where you're trying to develop the consistency and be a, a, a perfectionist at your craft. Like that is the dream. Um, and I think that during the process, you fall in love with the process of, you know, trying to be a pro, trying to be consistent and, you know, you, you put in installments and in, in your craft. And then once you get there, I mean, anybody that plays high-level uh, AAU basketball or traveling circuit basketball or at these elite camps, like, those guys are going to be the short list of individuals that's going to, you know, make up the draft of 
you know, your class. And outside of the guys, some of the guys that you grew up listening to uh, or, or watching, uh, rather, th- those are going to be the, the, the percentage that's going to be left over, and you're going to make up the new percentage. So you're going to be playing amongst your peers for the most part. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I saw. Uh, you know, when when I made it, the the only difference was it was a it was a lot of guys that was already there. When I talk about that short percentage, the yeah. T Max and guys like that, the the wave that came before us. But most of the other guys, you know, the Drew Goods, the Tayshawn Prince, you know, the Carlos Boozers, the Jason Williams, those guys, like those guys, Dwayne Wade, all like that was guys that you've seen upon the circuit that made up the rest of the class. So it was just like how do you sustain now at this point? Like, and, and those who get content, you know, fall by the wayside, but those who, you know, continue to, you know, try to be consistent, try to be a better version of them, love and fell in love with competition. Those are the guys that remain and don't fall by the wayside and have, you know, uh, you know, some longevity in that space. Hmm. You, you mentioned Kobe and I'm going to get back to him um, momentarily. Cause I know you guys were close. I don't know if, people understand the kind of relationship y'all had. Um, but you, you told me a funny story one time, and I'm trying to make sure I remember it, when Shaq got traded to the Heat, I think it was. And, yeah. <laughs> and, like, it was weird. You said, I, I, I'm trying to make sure you tell it right, because when you found out about it, you was geeked, right? Like, you thought, oh, we get Shaq. Like, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> I. Hey, I, I I was uh coming back from Antigua mm-hmm. and um I was doing a, a, a basketball camp for the Miami Heat and I'm in the I'm in the airport, I'm walking through and um they they like, Oh shit, you know, Shaq to the Heat and I'm like, Oh snap, <laughs> like I'm excited, like this is right after the airport, like when I'm with the Heat now, no mind you, like everybody, you know, uh, some of the people that I went with from the organization that you know they go about their respective ways mm-hmm. uh, rather quickly too and uh i'm like shit I'm like, what the hell so i'm walking and then all of a sudden i read like the the underlying part of it like who he got traded for because i'm like damn Shaq coming we about to win a chip you know I, you know me <laughs> d wade all like lamar Odom, right and they're like oh yeah you 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 part of the trade and my mouth just dropped you know what i'm saying and i was just like oh snap and you know, I, I was starting to get the phone call, uh, you know, from D Wade. He chirping me. Uh, you know, Pat Riley call, and uh, you know, shit. Myself and Lamar Odom was headed to Los Angeles, and that was just my first introduction to, you know, the business of basketball. Because shit, I thought I would be a Miami Heat for the for the rest of my life, like because right. you just don't know anything about trades and stuff like that. And they wasn't happening, you know, so so quickly. You know, yeah. back then, those days, you know, you go somewhere, you're there. Uh, you know, look at guys like Reggie Miller and guys like that. They, you know, that's the guys who grew up watching. They were organizations forever. They create the fabric and they're the face of it. So right. fast forward, I go to the press conference, and the first thing happened, i never seen a contract so big, Kobe contract over $130 million right in front of us. He signs the deal uh, at our <laughs> press conference, and then all of a sudden he said, hey, uh, you ready to black out? And I'm like, what the – what the hell is a blackout? Like, what? what is that all about? He's like, yo, be here tomorrow at uh, 6.30. We're about to start training. And that's that was my introduction, you know, to Kobe Bryant and his blackout session. Wow. Man, and I, I know that, you know, it's been a, a wild 2020. Um, 
And I know what kind of emotional blow it was to lose Kobe and his daughter, you know, seven other folks who died in that helicopter crash, man. But I, I don't know if people appreciate at this stage of life the transformation Kobe went through. Um, and you probably can speak to it better than anybody, having competed against and alongside him during his playing career and then knowing him post-playing career and just how different he was um, since, you know, since those playing days, man. It's, I, I took so much joy in watching Kobe mature the way he did. Um, and I'm wondering if y'all have the same feeling, being his friends and being closer to him than most people, just how different a man he became from the young, competitive lion that he was, you know, during his, during his early days. Man, he was he was the ultimate competitor. And I think that you really touched on something that a lot of people don't talk about enough is that, you know, we sat down uh, one time in Sacramento and we was at a dinner. And, you know, a lot of people are, you know, sitting around and standing around. And mind you, you know, whenever I, me and Kobe used to go out, Rob or one of the security guys will always, like, you know, put us off in a little setting where, you know, we was out the way of the public eye and we can just kind of chill and enjoy each other and just have that conversation. But uh, in this in this instance, in this time, time in this moment, you know, um, I had already set it up. I beat him to it. So <laughs> when he came in the building, I, I, I already told him, I said, yo, I'm in the side. Go to the right. I'm over here. We chilling. A couple people saw him walk in. And Kobe had said, hey, 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 let's go, let's go out there. Let's go sit in the middle, in the table. Mm-hmm. I was like, huh? And he was like, let's let's go sit out, you know, so the people could see us. So, you know, we're here in Sacramento. Everybody's watching. Now, this is my last year with the Kings, mm-hmm. and this is his uh, last season. And he was just like, I was like, bro, what's up, man? He was just like, you know, this this the beginning of our second act, you know? Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, the first act was, you know, to be these these warriors and these competitors but now we say goodbye to that. So this our this our salute, this our toast and our farewell. And now we're going to be stars in our second act. But in this act, you know, people are going to see us more. We're going to be more visual. And, um, you know, we're going to inspire even more. And people are going to see a different version of both of us. And that that just let me know, like, right there where his mind was at. Because, mind you, and you can ask anyone, Kobe was always, you know, this embodied or just occupied by basketball to the fullest where, you know, he thought, he slept, he, he like, everything was just basketball. And he had layers and layers of information that he needed to know and, and, and be informed about in this game. But when that was over, he was totally invested into being a, the best husband, the best father, and, you know, clearly the best confidants, you know, as, you know, being an asset to the people that he loved dearly in his circle of lives. And that's what he was doing. Yeah. I, I read an unbelievable story about um, Kobe's working out at uh, UC Irvine. And kind of that was his place to go and get his work in away from the cameras, away from the spotlight, away from the practice facility. Um, you live in, in Southern California. I, I always try and explain to people, and I've got relatives who live all over L.A., sit down to San Diego, up to Bakersfield, even in Northern California. When I was 12, uh, you know, it's 1984, and I'm, I'm out in L.A. with family. Then I go back as a young adult covering the league, and I'm around my relatives. And I didn't understand the, 
the love they had for Kobe Bryant, you know, until I went and thought about my 12-year-old self and Magic Johnson being in the heyday of his career as a Laker and how much L.A. loved Magic. And then as a, as a young man in my 20s, seeing how my cousins talked about Kobe, it was like, I don't know if you can put, put it in perspective for people who haven't seen what he meant. I know he's got a global presence, obviously, but to L.A. specifically, to people in L.A., they don't agree on – they could not agree on a lot of things. I never felt like they disagreed on Kobe. He was universally loved in every corner that you touched in Southern California. Yeah. And, and I'm sure you I, I, did that. I, I think that his, the, what, what he tapped into and what he – stood for uh is being more publicized and, and like recognized now that he's gone. Mm-hmm. And that's that's you know, that's sad, you know, uh but we we always knew, you know, people close to him in the circle, you know, always knew, you know, what he represented. Like you have to think about it and you put it in perspective uh, you know, greatly when you was asking the question was you think of the 20 years and you think of the guys that actually had the luxury of staying in one location for, for 20 years mm-hmm. and then being successful. Like this is like the, <laughs> like the having, having the most success in one location for that uh, tenure and for that period of time, uh, Kobe Bryant, 20 years, five championships, multiple MVPs, all-star MVPs, you name it, he done it. And, mm-hmm. uh, he did it gracefully and, 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 uh, and he always taught me about, you know, being, you know, the best form of giving is a, is anonymous and some of the stuff that he was doing, which is talked about now, we talk about the, the African-American civil rights museum, you know, mm-hmm. donating to that cause through their foundation, the homeless uh, epidemic that, you know, we go through here in, in the state of California, specifically in Los Angeles, how he was giving back and contributing to that. And just being, you know, the ultimate big brother, you know, to so many uh, in, in different walks of life. And then how he was a huge advocate for, uh, you know, women's basketball. I mean, all those things have been highlighted and, you know, talked about even more now that he's no longer here. And it's just amazing. His impact of just so many things uh, is it was extremely special. Yeah, it's, it's it's strange too because people people think we think we know the guys would that we see playing and on TV and people get such an intimate mindset about being connected to players because of all the different ways we have now to see you know social media every you know everybody's got a camera crew following them around everybody is talking and communicating in ways that maybe they didn't prior to social media, before we had all of these outlets. I'm, I just, I, I hope, you know, that we don't take for granted players who are special people as well, you know, and in their time. Like, I, I love that, and you mentioned talking to Steph. Like, I love that we've gotten to, to know Steph in ways that we might not have been able to get to know um, an MVP and a great, you know, all-time great player like that in different eras. Missed on some guys in terms of getting to know their personalities off the court, knowing what they do um, away from the game. I I went last year. I was in Wilmington, and we went to do something about Jordan. You know, Michael Jordan for All Star when it was in Charlotte, and it was 
it was so strange going to his hometown, speaking to people who had known him since he was a little kid and hearing the way they spoke about him. It, it was completely irrelevant to the, the Michael Jordan we knew as a player. They knew him when he was a teenager or knew him when the cameras weren't around. And I, I hope that it's all being highlighted in, in the right ways now. You, I don't know what you think about that, but do you think we ca- we're capturing guys in this moment now, maybe in ways that we didn't previously because of all these different media outlets we have? Yeah, I, I think it's beautiful because when you – one of the things that, that really kind of triggered it – I mean, a lot of guys is doing it already anyway, but one of the things that really set it off and triggered it was uh, – I remember uh, Anchor, and I'm not going to give her the, you know, mm-hmm. no 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 spotlight or anything, <laughs> but just saying that, you know, shut up and dribble and, you know, yeah. things like that. And when you think about some of the most – you know, successful, you know, athletes in the world, they come from, you know, oppressed environments and things like that. So, uh, you know, seeing those brothers, you know, Chris Paul, D-Wade, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony on that SB stage that time and, you know, talking about real social issues and things like that and how guys maximize their platforms where, you know, they're not just athletes. You know, in fact, that's the third or fourth thing you think about when you think about some of these brothers. And I think that they – move the needle and set the stage for, you know, the next wave and the next wave and next wave after that, where, you know, athletes aren't known for just uh, their talents. They're known for that, that, that one specific talent. They're known for other talents and they, they're creators, they're, 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 they're authors, they're, they're writers, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're, yeah. they're activists in the communities, they're needle movers and so many other aspects and dimensions of the game of life. So it's just like, I think that really like sparked something when you 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 talk about Kobe, dear basketball, winning the Oscar, and yeah. Le- LeBron yeah. doing so many projects, you know, through the Spring Hill Entertainment and those things. So it's just it's amazing to see those things, and I think that has sparked the next wave to be the best version of them in those spaces. Yeah, I, I you know, and I appreciate that what what all of y'all are doing. Like I seeing you and and all the other guys that come through. NBA TV, man, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, Brendan Haywood and a bunch of other guys who to me are just much more well-rounded people than, than I think folks understand because they don't get, get a chance to interact with y'all. It's, uh, it's fun seeing everybody grown up, you know, and, you know, everybody, your playing career is, is one thing, you know, that's on wax. Nobody can take that away. It's already laid down. But what you do, like you mentioned with Kobe, what you do in that next phase to me, is what's really going to define guys. It's going it's going to define where you a guy who passed through and played and then vanished, you know, from the spotlight or were you somebody who came through and then used that to impact people's lives. And I know you're doing it all over the place, so um shouts to you, man. Kudos to you for for making sure that you didn't exit the stage without using it the right way. Um I know you I know your family's out there. Yeah, I know your family's out there. Um, sheltered in and in, in taken care of. I know you're taking care of everybody, man. And uh, continued well wishes to everybody. I hope we get back. Though. I'm ready to get back in the studio and get back to these games and get back to chopping it up like we always do in person. So I'm, I'm hopeful. My fingers are crossed that we, uh, that we see a resumption to this season, man. What do, you, what do you think in terms of just how you, how you do it? Like I, I know it's going to be unprecedented, but. You feel, do you feel hopeful that we get back to this thing and, and put some kind of conclusion to this 2019-2020 NBA season? I do. I, I'm feeling hopeful because, 
you know, to all your points where guys want to play, and then you then you start seeing the the, the void of you know uh, financial disbursements, and I think that when those things happen, it, it always triggers the the urgency from the union, the players, uh, you know, that that right there always moves the needle quickly, you know, when money isn't being, you know, paid out. And then you also look at, you know, the flattening of the curve. You look at, you know, it was, you know, over a thousand deaths a day. Um, if that start, you know, uh, flattening and looking more, you know, favorable for us, um, when you start having more uh, informed, educated opinions uh, from the scientists saying that this is what these are all the, the facts of the virus and how it can be spread it, uh, there's not, <laughs> like not a lot of unknowns that we're like kind of blindly uh, revisiting if you if you do resume the play. And then, you know, the essentials part of it, I don't think that, you know, it, it it could possibly be fans in the crowd. I don't think it will be. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, thinking about the, 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 the location and, you know, you don't want as much travel. So, you know, the, the Vegas I did and that concept and other things, uh, it, 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 it seems reasonable, you know? Um, and I, I think that it will happen. I think, I think that the season will resume at some point and look we got some time we got quite some time because you think about entertainment as a whole like all live entertainment been hit so everything's being restructured so we was the first one we was the first one that you know to say you know what we're not playing and we pivoted the way and everybody else followed our lead so i think that we probably would be the first one to say this is what we're doing going forward and i think everybody else will follow the line and follow our lead as well so adam silver did a remarkable job at uh, setting that that president in that stage for that, no question. The, the leadership to me, you know, that that the commissioner has shown has been exemplary. And um, you're right, you know, when you when you're the first to, you know, to, to make that change, I think a lot of people be looking for you to be the first to figure out what comes next. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how we proceed, man. Look, it's just an uncertain time for everybody, um, but but we'll you know. We'll have to sit here and, and ride this thing out, man. Make sure y'all stay safe out there, uh, the whole the whole fam. I, I know you're doing your thing, man, and stay uh, stay engaged. I see you on social media, so I, you know how I do it. I, I I move in the darkness a little bit on Twitter. I'm not I'm not an Instagram guy, but I'm 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 learning. This little break is giving me a chance to figure this stuff out. Hey, well, when I get back that way, man, I'm going to teach you all the ins and outs of this IG center, <laughs> No question, man. I appreciate you, CB. I love you, bro. Thanks, man. Love it. Appreciate you. As always, love my brother Karan Butler. Words of wisdom for everybody out there. You know, you listen to what he's got to say and, and his perspective, man. It's educational, enlightening. You're talking about a guy who went from the depths, you know, as a young person to, you know, First name basis with the governor of his home state in Wisconsin. You know, how you like that? Um, so you can learn some lessons from him, listening, watching the way he moves. Um, hopefully young players are emulating some of the things he's doing and has done in his career in life. Um, as I mentioned earlier this week, we're going to keep coming to you as, as often as we can with compelling people in the basketball world. Um, shout out to 
for Ron Butler for joining us, for my producer, Anthony Bonaparte. We will definitely see you here next time on the Hang Time Podcast. This one is done, but in case you want another one, here's the link to all the fun from Sekou Smith's Hang Time Run. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, NBA.com slash hangtime, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, Hoops fans.